My name is Farring Glenfield. I'm the Church of Ireland Bishop of Kilmore, Elfin and Ada. I'm speaking to you from Danesford, behind the Deanery in Kilmore in County Cavan. As you can see, the ground is carpeted with snowdrops, the first signs of spring. We're into the season of Lent and we're still in lockdown. Someone has described Lent as God's springtime. And it is my hope and prayer as we share in these services, which are coming from across our diocese, that God will spring clean our lives and renew us by his spirit as we follow in the footsteps of his beloved son on the way to the cross and to the empty tomb of Easter day. So thank you for joining us and God bless. Well, good morning. A very warm welcome to our diocesan service this week. You are very welcome. It is wonderful to have you with us, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are, however you're tuning in. Uh, it's so great that you could join us. Uh, my name is Simon Donahue. I'm the minister of the Swanland Bar, Bar Group of Parishes. And I'm also joined this morning uh, by the Drung Group of Parishes. Uh, Nick Jones and uh, Dahi Green are with me this morning as well. Um, and we pray this morning that this morning will be an encouragement to you through these days of uncertainty, that this morning will help us to lift our eyes to the Lord Jesus to find hope in these difficult days. Um, this morning, we are going to be thinking about who or what is in charge of the world. And we're going to be finding reasons that we can take heart that God is in charge of this world. However, out of control the world might feel at the moment. There is one who is in charge. And as we begin, I'm going to pray for us. But just a notice before I do um, that uh, there is a sheet. Uh, there's a little picture there. There's a children's sermon sheet that you can download. If you just look at the description just below this video, you can click a link and can download a copy of that for uh, the younger members of the family or older members if you'd like to at home uh, to join in. Um, something to do uh, to help you engage with the sermon this morning. And um, so that's there for you. Do make use of that. Well, I'm going to uh, read a verse from the Bible and I'm going to pray for us as we begin. Words from Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Let's pray. Father, you are worthy. You are worthy to receive glory and honour and power. We thank you that you have made us and that all things exist and continue to exist by your will. Please, this morning, would you lift our hearts to find hope and joy in you, our creator and our redeemer this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to begin by singing our first hymn this morning, a lovely old hymn that reminds us and encourages us to consider uh, the, the world that we live in, that we might stand in awe of the God who made it. And Dahi joins us this morning. Dahi is going to lead us as we sing our first hymn. O oh Lord my God, when some wonder, consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Saviour brought to thee. I wonder 
Thank you, Dahi, very much. We're going to turn and have our first uh, Bible reading. Uh, if you have a Bible, can I encourage you to open it with me to Genesis chapter 1, um, beginning at verse 1, and Heidi is going to read that for us now. A reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 13. The account of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear, and that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced trees and plants of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. And we respond to that by saying, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are going to come now to a moment of confessing our sins. As we see the beauty of God's creation, as we've just been hearing of that, we see the magnificence of our creator. Now, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. He is worthy to receive from us all glory, honour and power. The sad reality is that we fail to honour our creator as we should. And so it's right that we, as we gather together, even in this virtual way, that we acknowledge our sins and ask for his forgiveness. And we're going to do that now in the words of our confession. I'm going to leave a moment of quiet uh, for you to reflect, and then we'll join together in the words of the confession. A moment of quiet. Well, let's pray together, beginning Heavenly Father. 
Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed. Through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, let me read some words from the Bible which give us great encouragement as we confess our sins. Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And so with confidence, I can pray the absolution. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, a forgiven people ought to be uh, joyful people. And we're going to respond uh, with praise as we sing our all-age song, You're the God of Wow. As we look at God, our creator, the response should be wow. And we're going to sing about that now. Thank you, Dahi. Wow. That's what we should be saying as we gaze at our creator and as we listen to his word that describes what he is like. Wow. He is a God who is beyond our imagining. Well, we're going to have our second Bible reading now before Nick comes to preach for us. And can I encourage you as we hear this reading and see if you can spot how many things that make you stop and go, wow, how astounding is our creator? Let's have our second reading. It's read to us by Abigail. God said, let there be light in the huge space of the sky. Let them separate the day from the night. Let the light set the times for the holy celebrations and the days and the years. Let them be lights in the huge space of the sky to give light on the earth. And that's exactly what happened. God made two great lights. He made the larger light to rule over the day and the smaller light to rule over the night. 
He also made the stars. God put the lights in the huge space of the sky to give light to the earth. He put them there to rule over the day and the night. He put them there to separate light from darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning. It was day four. God said, let the seas be filled with living things. Let birds fly above the earth, across the huge space of the sky. So God created the great sea creatures. He created every kind of living thing that fills the sea and moves about in them. He created every kind of bird that flies. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. He said, have little ones so that there will be many of you. Fill the waters in the sea. Let there be more and more birds on the earth. There was evening and there was morning. It was day five. God said, let the land produce every kind of living creature. Let there be livestock and creatures that move along the ground and wild animals. And that's exactly what happened. God made every kind of wild animal. He made every kind of livestock. He made every kind of creature that moves along the ground. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings so that they are like us. Let them rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Let them rule over the livestock and all the wild animals. And let them rule over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own likeness. He created them to be like him. He created them as male and female. God blessed them. He said to them, have children so that there will be many of you. Fill the earth and bring it under your control. Rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky. Rule over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I am giving you every plant on the face of the whole earth that produces its own seeds. I am giving you every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. All of them will be given to you for food. I am giving you every green plant as food for all the land animals and for all the birds in the sky. I am also giving the plants to all the creatures that move along the ground. I am giving them to every living thing that breathes. And that's exactly what happened. God saw everything he had made and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning. It was day six. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on that day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He blessed it because that day he rested from all the work he had done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you very much, Abigail, uh, for reading, and also Heidi, and uh, thank you, Simon, for leading us, and Dahi for playing for us, and uh, thank you all for, for listening this morning. My name's Nick Jones. I'm the rector of the, the Drum Group of Parishes, and it's a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, let's pray for God's help as we look at his word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this beautiful world you've created, and as we look at this account from Genesis, we pray that you'd help us to take comfort that you're in charge of your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, just a reminder, there is a, a sheet for the children that uh, hopefully you've been able to download if you've got any children watching with you. And I'll tell you when to fill in uh, the different parts of that. This time last year, if you can think back that long ago, it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? We were just starting to hear about this strange thing called COVID-19. And now 
it seems to be ruling the world. It seems to be in charge. Uh, there's a handful of countries that still have no reported cases, as far as I'm aware, but, but even in those few places, life is still affected uh, by the virus in terms of the restrictions put upon them for travel. The fight is now on with the, the, ro the rollout of the vaccine, but we're far from having it under control. And maybe you're fearful that life will never return to normal. What if there are further mutations of the virus and the vaccine is, is no longer effective? Is COVID-19 ruling the world? And children, on the sheet, question one, you can uh, colour in the dots and you'll find out what the question is that we're looking at today. Others, of course, may be concerned about climate change. And it looks like that is in charge. And maybe we're concerned about the future of our planet. If you were living in Yemen, of course, you would be uh, concerned about famine. It would seem that famine was in control. For others, it might seem like disability or some other illness is in control. It seems to be calling the shots. It clouds our horizons and seems to be running our lives. But as devastating and as painful as those things may be, Genesis 1 has good news for us. Good news that God is in charge of his creation. Ten times in our reading we heard, and God said, and what he said happened. He's in complete control. Verse 1 told us, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I want us this morning to take heart that this world is under God's control. He controls its destiny and ours. Now, sometimes we miss this most wonderful truth because we get caught up in modern scientific arguments about the age of the earth or the theory of evolution. And sometimes this can cause us to doubt God's word and the wonderful truth contained in it and even to miss the comfort that is there. But here's why we don't have to. I've brought uh, along with me this morning uh, three books. Uh, the first one is, is The Cow Book. And uh, this is a, a brilliant book written about a farm in, in Longford. And I've got another book here, Johnny Sexton. Uh, as, a, as an Englishman, I'm, I'm learning from the Irish uh, about his uh, rugby career. And then the final one is, is an atlas I had when I was at university in Southampton. And uh, before the days of Satnav, this is what you had to use to find your way around places. Three uh, very good books. But if I try and use the cow book to teach me about rugby, it's not going to help me too much. Or if I try and get Johnny Sexton to teach me about farming, it's not going to help. Or, or if I try and use uh, Johnny Sexton to find my way around Southampton, it's not going to help me too much at all. Why was the Bible written? What was its purpose? And children, we're on questions two and three of the sheet. Well, the Bible was written so that we can, so that we can know God. It's hard to miss, isn't it? These opening four chapters have God's name coming up 70 times. The Bible is written to tell us about God, that he is in charge and how we can know him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not written as a scientific textbook to tell us the age of the earth. As we read any passage of the Bible, we always need to ask the question, why was it written? And what type of writing is it? The book of Genesis was written by Moses to the people of Israel. And do you know what their fears and concerns were? As they looked at the nations around them, their questions were more likely, which God is the real God? Do the gods of the nations have any power? Should we worship them? They didn't want to know how old the earth was, but they wanted to know was God really in charge? Remember, Israel had been slaves in Egypt uh, for uh, 400 years. And it seemed that maybe the Egyptian sun god was in charge. And later, as they went to enter the promised land of Canaan, and perhaps this was when Moses was writing around the time at Mount Sinai and before they entered the land, were the gods of Canaan in control? They looked pretty fearful, the people of Canaan. And then later, of course, as they read this book in exile in Babylon, 
were the gods of Babylonia in charge? Well, God wanted them to know that he is the real God who made everything, and he did it by his powerful word. The big message of Genesis 1 is that he is in charge. Now imagine you were an Israelite, frightened by the gods of the nations, and then you hear verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What comfort to know our God is in charge. As Israel heard the creation account, they would have been encouraged to know that this world is under God's control. He controls its destiny. Don't fear the gods of the nations. But what about as we read it today with a different set of concerns, when when COVID-19 seems to be in charge or some other disease, and we're continuously being told that the earth is billions of years old and we've just evolved by chance. We're back to our Cal book and Johnny Sexton. Remember, the Bible is not a science textbook. Science is looking at how God made the world, and the Bible is telling us why God made it. But what happens when they seem to be saying different things? Where must our ultimate authority lie? Well, given that the scientists are mere creatures studying God's creation and coming up with changing theories, our ultimate authority must lie with God, with what he has revealed to us. But, of course, that doesn't mean that science can't help us in our understanding. Science can take the role of a servant. So, for example, our our science will tell us that trees don't normally talk. Uh, Our observation of trees tells us they don't normally talk. And so when we read in in the book of Judges, chapter 9, that about a talking tree, we're, we're likely to think, well, this is probably a parable, and that's how it's to be taken. But, of course, we must, mustn't let science rule our understanding. So, for example, science uh, tells us that normally dead people don't come back. They don't normally rise from the dead. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ rose physically from the dead on the third day. So should we say today that the people back then didn't understand science as we do today? Should we take it as a parable? No, the Bible is very clear that dead people don't normally rise And we see from the reactions of the people at the time that they were shocked when Jesus rose. And because the writers of the Bible knew that dead people don't normally rise, they went to great lengths to give evidence to show that Jesus really had risen. Now have a look at our reading from Genesis, if you've got it open there in front of you. What type of writing is it? I wonder if you noticed the order and the beauty of it. And children, we're on to question four of the sheet. Seven times we heard it was good, a cry of wonder, a hymn almost of praise, praising God for the goodness of his creation. Ten times we heard, and God said, and whatever he said happened. Uh, He's in complete control. Uh, I can barely control my dog with my voice, but whatever God says, it happens. Uh, And then seven times we hear, it was so. Exactly what God says, it happened. And seven times we hear, God names or blesses. And then there's the repeated refrain, there was evening and there was morning. And the creation itself is broken into seven days. Notice the careful ordering of the days. In days one to three, you get the forming of the light, the waters, the land. And then in days four to six, you get the filling the filling of those things. So on day one, there was the light formed, and then on on day four, the lights fill it. On on day two, the waters and the sky were formed, and on day five, the fish and the birds fill it. And on day three, the land and the vegetation was formed, and on day six, the animals and the man fill it. It's beautifully ordered. But are we to take these as literal 24-hour time periods? There's no doubt that, that uh, God could have done that. Some think that's too, short, too long a time. He could have done it in, in less time than that. But the morning and the evening might make us think that it is at 24-hour periods, and the mention of the day might make us think so. But how do we measure a day? It's normally from sunrise to sunset, isn't it? And children, we're on question five of the sheet. 
So it's normally from sunrise to sunset, but look when the sun was created. Verses 16 to 18. Do you see there? We're told it was on the fourth day that God made the sun. Now Moses was no fool. He knew that you needed the sun to measure a day. He'd been trained in the best of the Egyptian education. And it's strange, isn't it, to have light on day one, but the light's not there until day four. Could it be that Moses never intended us to take this literally? It's not so much how God did it, but that God did it. That God made everything. Might Moses have put the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars a little bit further down the order of creation, just, just to show us that they're just part of God's creation? And you notice they weren't even named as the sun and the moon, just the, the great lights. You're saying that they don't even almost, it's almost like they don't deserve a name. Don't, don't worship them. And the throwaway comment about the stars in verse 16. Oh, and the stars, yeah, he also made them. Why would you worship them? God made them. They're just part of his creation. Now, Moses wanted people to take heart, to know that this world is under God's control. He controls its destiny and ours. So why was Genesis written? And what type of writing is it? It was written to tell us that God is in charge. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's in charge. It's a beautiful, orderly account telling us that he's in control of this world. Now, for those who don't believe in a creator God, this world can be a frightening and meaningless place. But God's word assures us he is in control. He made it, and he had a purpose for it. He made it for a purpose. You see, not only is this creation account orderly, but it's heading somewhere. Do you notice what, what crowns God's creation? And we're, we're nearly at the end. Children, we're on the second to last question, number six. Do you notice what crowns God's creation? Six times we're told that the creation is good. But after the creation of man and woman... God says that it's very good there in verse 31. It's very good. Here is the peak of God's creation. Do you see what value God places on humanity? We're different to the animals. Why is that? What is the difference between us? Well, have a look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You are made in God's image. You're not here by chance. You're not just a lucky number. You are of incredible value because you are made in God's image to relate to him, to rule over this world, to reflect God. Isn't this what our world needs to hear now more than ever? People are struggling to know who they are, if their life is worth living, struggling with identity, and to know that whoever you are, male or female, you are made in the image of Almighty God is incredible, isn't it? That means every human life is of incredible value because every human life is made in God's image. Did you notice there was no according to their kind with humanity? Animals were made according to their species. But the only distinction for humanity is male and female. Whatever our race or skin color or age or ability, every human being is made equally in the image of God. Which is why racism is wrong. That's why abortion and euthanasia are wrong. Every human life is made in the image of God and has incredible value. Please don't let anyone persuade you otherwise. You are made in the image of God. And being made in the image of God means we can relate to him. And that is the goal of creation. And we're on the last question now, children, number seven on the sheet. Did you notice what God did on the seventh day? He rested. There it is, verse 2, Genesis 2, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, 
and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, it, it wasn't that God was tired and needed to, to, to put his feet up. No, it was that he had finished his work of creation. And amazingly, God invites us to join him in that rest. There was no end to day seven. There was no, and there was morning and there was evening at the end of day seven. That's where, where God still is now in that time of completion, of finishing. He's given us this orderly account of creation in the form of a week to teach us that we're to work for six days if we can and then enjoy rest and refreshment that comes from him on the Lord's day. But much more to teach us that after we've finished our lifetime of labor, there is an eternal rest to enjoy with God in the new creation. Well, how can we enter that rest? Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the perfect image of God, and he died to take the burden of our restlessness, which comes from rejecting God's rule over us. The promise is made to all who come to him that we will not miss this eternal rest. This world can be a frightening place. And it can seem that all sorts of other things are in charge. But the book of Genesis assures us that we can take heart. This world is under God's control. He controls its destiny and ours. You can rest in him. Let me lead us in prayer and then I'll hand back to Simon. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that this is your world, that you made it and you're in charge. Help us to trust you, to take heart and not be worried uh, by COVID-19 or other things, but to know that you're in control. And we thank you we can enter your rest through your Son, the Lord Jesus. May we do that and rejoice in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Nick, thank you very much for that. We're going to respond to our creator, to hearing God's word read and preached by declaring our faith in this creator, in the words of the creed. Can I encourage you to join in uh, as we join in with brothers and sisters across the world and across history who declare these truths and stand firm trusting the same creator. Let's say together, beginning, I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, we're going to turn now to a time of prayer, and we're going to begin by joining together, by praying together the prayer that Christ has taught us. So as our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in prayer. Um, over the six weeks of Lent, a number of us have been praying for six Christian prisoners, uh, six Christians who are in prison um, simply because of their faith in Christ. They live in countries where to be a Christian means persecution. And we're going to hear one of the stories before we 
continue in prayer. We're going to hear about Asif Pervais, who is a Christian in prison in Pakistan. And we've got a short video we're going to watch before we turn to pray for him. In week two of Church in Chains' Lent prayer project, we're praying for Asif Pervais, a 37-year-old Christian from Lahore in Pakistan, who was sentenced to death last September under the country's blasphemy law and is waiting for his appeal to be heard. Asif has been in prison since 2013 when his Muslim work supervisor falsely accused him of blasphemy after Asif refused to convert to Islam. Asif has read the Bible nine times during his seven years in prison. Last October, Asif was moved over 120 kilometers away to a prison in Faisalabad, where he feels lonely and isolated. His wife, Marilyn, who looks after their four young children, visits him once a month. It's not known when Asif's appeal will be heard. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask you to protect and encourage Asif in prison, and we pray that he would be acquitted and released soon. Please comfort and sustain Marilyn and their four children and keep them safe from harm. Amen. Well, if you'd like to hear more information about Asif and other persecuted Christians, do have a look at that website there, Church in Chains. They're an Irish organisation who supports persecuted Christians worldwide. If you'd like to get involved in praying and supporting our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in prison, uh, do have a look up that website. But we're going to continue in prayer. We're going to pray uh, the Church of Ireland's prayer for today, the collect for the today, and then we'll turn to pray for Asif and for other things. Let's join together uh, and pray the collect. Merciful Lord, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the world, the flesh and the devil, and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's continue in prayer. Our gracious and generous creator, we thank you that you have made us in your image that you have made us for fellowship with you, that you have made us to enjoy your rest. And Father, we thank you that in Christ and those all those in Christ enjoy that rest, enjoy new life, a new creation and fellowship with you and a future of eternal rest. And Father, we thank you that you now hear our prayers because of your son, the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for Asif Pervais in prison in Pakistan. Father, we thank you for his faith in Christ. For thank you for his willingness to suffer for Christ, that he is not ashamed to belong to Christ. We thank you for that. Father, pray that you would uphold him and protect him. Father, pray for him in prison, in poor conditions, that you would Give him the protection he needs. We know that imprisonment is a discouraging thing. Father, please, would you sustain him and give him hope? Please, would you keep his eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus? Would he find his joy and delight in Christ and not in his circumstances? Would he remember that the God he belongs to is the one who is in charge of this world? Father, we do pray if it be your will that he might be transferred back to Lahore and that he might be acquitted and released soon. Father, we pray for him as he waits and for his family, for Marilyn and the children as they wait. Father, please protect them as a family, knowing how vulnerable they are. Father, please, would you sustain Marilyn with extra burdens at home and the pain of not seeing her husband. Father, we pray that you would grant them the strength they need to keep persevering. And Father, we pray for many, many others in Pakistan who are persecuted for their faith, many in prison. Father, we pray that you might sustain them, that Asif might be a great encouragement to them as he perseveres, and they in turn might be an encouragement to him. 
Father, do also pray for lawyers and judges in Pakistan. Father, please, would you give them boldness to stand up for justice? Boldness not to go along with cultural pressure, but to stand up and not let false trials be put through. Father, pray that you would have mercy on that nation. And Father, pray that the gospel might flourish in that land, that more and more might turn to Christ and know the eternal rest that he offers. Father, we pray for ourselves and our country. Father, as we continue to live through extended lockdown, as we live through ongoing uncertainty, Father, please, by your spirit, would you minister to our hearts the comfort that this world is under your control, that we can take heart. As we've prayed in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. We pray that you would help us to trust that your will is best in how you order this world. Father, we pray that you'd have mercy on our government. Please give them wisdom when they are burdened beyond themselves. They need a wisdom that nothing in this world can give. Please would you grant to our government wisdom that the decisions they make would be wise and would be best serving the lives of the people they represent. Pray also that you give our, give, uh, our government humility. As this pandemic rages on, please would they recognize that this world is not under their control, but under the control of another, of Christ, the one who has created it and sustains it. Please would they, in humility, recognize his reign. And Father, we pray for our land. For this island of Ireland. So many at the moment are struggling. So many feel hopeless in the light of an ongoing pandemic, but also in the light of so many other issues. Father, we pray that the light of the gospel might shine more brightly in this land to give hope to the hopeless. Father, we pray for local churches that they will be beacons of light in their communities, holding out the, the wonderful glory of the gospel. Father, we pray for those particularly who are struggling with mental health at the moment, where life feels dark and hopeless. Father, please, would you provide them with the hope and the help that they need. Provide them with those who will support them and sustain them. And provide them with the light of the gospel to give them a hope of an eternal future that life will not always be like this. And Father, we think of those who are known to us, those who are sick, those who are struggling, those who are sorrowful. Father, we pray that you might draw near to them, that they might know your presence and your comfort. Father, for those who are lonely, will they know the joy of your presence in their loneliness? For those who are hurting, will they know Christ as their comfort. For those who are weary, would they know Christ as their strength? And Father, we pray that we as church families through these days might be able to be a support and an encouragement to one another. Please keep us loving each other. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a gracious creator and redeemer and that you hear all these prayers in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we ask all these things in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to close by singing together our final hymn. The final hymn reflects on that uh, passage we've heard read, the God whose almighty word took chaos and darkness and turned it into light. Let's sing our final hymn together.
Dahi, thank you very much again. And thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. It's been wonderful to have you with us. We do pray that this morning has been an encouragement to you. Um, I'm going to read uh, a word, so words uh, that Nick mentioned in his sermon, and then we're going to join together in the words of the grace as we close. Some words from the Lord Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's join together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.